from the two Dodgers. Home run number three for Taylor. Six RBIs. Chris Taylor. A free homer game in game five of the NLCS. All right, Kevin Barker, have uh, you ever had a three-homer game? Yeah, I, I, Jeff, I've had 272 homers in the minor leagues. Yeah, I've hit three homers before in a game, but never in an elimination game in Dodger Stadium, which was, I mean, you could say, you know, you've seen things. Well, I've I got to be honest, I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen a guy walk to the plate and just, you know, I, we talk about looking hitters. He was running to the plate. He couldn't wait to get his bat, run to the plate, leg kick, and just unleash everything he could possibly unleash on something right down the middle. If you're the Braves, you got to be honest with yourself. Try not to throw something down the middle. Like that that would be, you know, the book's out that this guy all of a sudden, you know, dipping into the, whatever he's drinking, whatever he's eating, and, and found some, the youth of power. And can hit, you know, the ball he hit to right center, that's the one ball. You, the, the balls he pulls, anybody can pull a homer. It's the ball that he went 15 rows deep into right center. That's that's when you know a, a guy's locked in and, and everything's going the way it's supposed to be going. He's throwing that back hip at the baseball. When you're doing those things, you're seeing the ball as well as he is. Now you got to pitch him better. 11-2, the Dodgers beat the Braves last night. The Braves still lead the NLCS three games to two. The scene will shift to Truist Park in Atlanta tomorrow for game six. The ALCS resumes tonight with the Astros hosting the Boston Red Sox. The Astros can put that one to bed. Talk about Chris Taylor with three home runs last night. Uh, it's a guy with a career slugging percentage of 443. It's a guy who had three home runs in August and September combined. <laughs> it's a guy who went into the playoffs, Kevin Barker. And, you know, you, you guys like to... I guess there's two ways to look at this. One, you don't want to peak at the wrong time. Yeah. Or, or two, it's just the lights have gone on and Chris Taylor arrived. He was eight for 72 in the last five weeks of the regular season. Now he's nine for 17 in the postseason. He's one of only 11 players with three home runs in a game, in a postseason game. Babe Ruth two, did it two times. Reggie's on the list. George Brett's on the list. The list. But only Albert Pujols and Chris Taylor have four hits, three home runs, and six ribbies in a game. So, all right, it's 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 great. Uh, it's sense of the moment, yada yada, et cetera, et cetera. But come on, <laughs> and, and it's, it, it, it's not just a matter of the pitches that he was throwing, is it? No, again, it's it's. Will he ever do that again? Probably not. Like it's it's just one of those things where everything you're doing right at the plate, you're never you're never overthinking it in that moment. Mechanically, it is you know he's got a little bit of a leg kick. He the, the little the little weird thing he does with his barrel before he sits it straight up and down and and you know is trying to be as as, as direct and short to the ball as he possibly can. That's his little trigger. When whenever that's right. It's, you know, the bat, the ball skills he has, he's trying to get the head out. He's, he, he is the guy that puts the, the plate in front of the, you know, the imaginary plate in front of the real plate and is trying to think of right center to the pull side. He doesn't want to use the whole field. Now he can occasionally when you're late and mechanically you're doing everything right and you're having issues seeing a guy, he can let the ball travel a little bit, but he's typically not that guy. And, you know, most guys who have leg kicks and, and especially when, when the moment gets the biggest, will tend to have too much of their weight go on the outside of their back knee. 
right now it's not like that. You can see when he lifts his front foot to have the leg kick, all of his weight is it's almost like that anchor is sitting on the inside of his back knee to where it's like, you know, almost like a pitcher. Mm-hmm. Whenever they lift their leg and it's like that, you know, we talk about Robbie Ray, when his eyes go down, it's like that's his anchor to just get him everything in the rubber to where he can fire everything he possibly can at his target. And that's what Chris Taylor's doing right now. And I mentioned it. You know, it's it's he's very aggressive early in counts. Now, the, the Braves have been put on notice. If they didn't know already <laughs> – they sort of know now that, you know, you can't throw balls down the middle of this guy. You're going to have to make quality pitches. You may have to start pitching backwards a little bit, flipping some secondary pitches early in counts and fastball counts. And, you know, it's it's there, there's one thing, at you know, hitting three homers at the minor league level. There's another thing of doing it in an elimination game in Dodger Stadium. And, who, you know, who, who could have called that? You know, what, what were they yesterday? They were – I saw a stat yesterday – uh, five through eight in the order, in the Dodgers order yesterday, was 12 for 18, five homers, 10 RBIs, eight <laughs> runs, uh, hard hit balls. They had 10 of those. Uh, the exit velocity on those 10 were 95 miles an hour plus. We talk about the Blue Jays all the time. When you get the lineup having that much length, because the top of your order is where you're, you're going to make your money, right? Your t- most of the teams, that's where they're going to take you as the top of the order. But when you got the bottom of the order doing those kind of things, and you got the talent that the Dodgers have, you know, throughout their team, most of the time they're going to win those games. Part of that length was provided by Albert Pujols as well, yeah. who uh, caught him base three times. And uh, I think he's now is the oldest player to reach base. Uh, the only other player older than him to do that in a playoff game is Pete Rose, the only other player to reach base at least three times and score two runs. But Bark, he, the single, the first hit he the first single is 106.9 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. There's that, you know, Albert went into that game. We don't know what's going to, what next year will hold for Albert. I, I would think. You have, you have, you have a, you have gonna, D, well, you have a DH in both leagues. You know, the, the Cardinals, that, that sort of screams that if there is the DH in both leagues. Is there enough there? I, I not, not just based on what we, what we saw last night. We've had a chance to see Albert on and off this year. Is there enough there for a team to to give him a shot next year? If you're an organization, you have a young contending team. Well, why wouldn't you want a, a first ballot Hall of Famer on your team who who has accepted his role? Coming to the Dodgers, mm-hmm. you you talk you listen to a man yep. when it comes to Fair. the Dodgers, they all say the same thing. He doesn't play every day, and you'd never know it. He's that good of a teammate. You know, uh, Justin Turner, whenever he got hurt, who was who was holding him, carrying him off the field, basically Albert Pujols. Like it's. He's just one of those guys that gets it is just exactly what baseball needs. If you're an organization and you're contending like the Cardinals, like the Blue Jays, I'm not saying he come to the Blue Jays, but a team sort of like that, that needs that guy in the clubhouse, that, that leader leading by example. And, you know, again, it, it's, it, for me, it's all about that DH in both leagues. If, if that happens, yeah, I, I think you'll see him next year. If that doesn't happen, you know, it'll be a little bit tougher for him to he'll find a role because half the teams are missing now. And then that's yep. that's sort of the situation of when you get a little older and and is an organization because you would have to pay him a little. I don't know what the going rate for a 42 year old would be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I'm assuming it's, you know, he's not enough. playing for the major league minimum. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So it's enough. And can can teams fit him in in those situations? But if I'm a contending team and I'm and I'm running a team. 
I'm looking at I'm looking at him. Just you know, he's added the leg kick. It looks to me like he's trying to to gain a little bit more momentum. He he is a Ta- Teoscar Hernandez guy. That's that's how he made his living was the knee turn, the heel raise off the off the ground, and because he had everything it takes to be a, a an elite hitter, he could annihilate baseballs, use the entire field, and, and be the Albert Pujols that he was for eleven years in a row in St. Louis, and then he went to to you know the Angels and and sort of started to go backwards, but he's when he, this year, because he's gotten a little older, because the bat's not as quick as it used to be, he's had to gain a little bit more momentum. That's why he's added the leg kick. He's got an, he's always had that good approach, but you heard him talking last night after the game. He wanted to let the ball travel. You know, Max Fried is a guy that likes to get you to chase. That breaking ball, that slider's not always in the strike zone, and that's why they won the game for me last night is they laid off that. They they made him come in the strike zone, and when he came in the strike zone, most of the time, they didn't miss that. The uh, Braves, sorry, the Dodgers are now, or have won, seven straight postseason elimination games going back to last year. And you can think they, a reminder, they also trailed, and, and they trailed 0-2 and 1-3 against the Braves in the NLCS last year. What does that tell you about that team? Because there, there are a couple of things I want to talk about with the Dodgers and, and we'll be joined by Ned Coletti uh, of uh, <clears throat> LA Dodgers studio analyst in a few minutes. And he'll be able to give us a little more insight into this. But the two things I wanted to talk to you about, first of all, what does that tell you about the, the fact that team has that type of a record in elimination games? Well, they're really talented. You know, the, when you, when you win seven in a row like that, that you can't teach experience. Isn't that what they always say? Let, let the pitcher come to you, don't try and do too much. It's easier said than done. When you got a team like that who's been there and done it before, they need some luck. You know, the Braves, the Braves sometimes look like they can't get out of their own way. Yeah. They, they just do things in these games that you're waiting for the shoe to drop, and, and it's only a matter of time before they lose the game. It's it's a little bit of that. But, you know, I just I just think they, they don't panic. Uh, they have good approaches. They have right guys in the lineup. Like Albert Pujols last night was the right guy in the lineup for me. Just adding that experience, adding you know the the conversation. Now you, I don't. We're not in the clubhouse. We don't know what the conversation's like. But you, you're you're telling me you don't think that Albert Pujols was the guy that raised his hand and been like, you know what, Max Fried did this last time. He made us chase. We chased a lot. We got ourselves out. We're gonna have to not do that. If we have any chance of winning this game and getting him out of the game quick enough to get in their bullpen, we have to lay off that pitcher's pitch. And if we do that, because we have lots of talent, we have a good chance of winning that. And I just think that's what it's all about is, is experience, talent, uh, and a, a great approach, letting the pitcher uh, come to you, those kind of things. And, you know, all those things come come about. And then, you know, when you have more talent than most teams, most of the time you're going to win those games. Earlier this year, Farhan Zaidi, the Giants general manager, who was born in Sudbury. I always like to toss that in. But Farhan Zaidi, the Giants general manager, who was a member of the Dodgers front office a couple of years ago, he was asked about the Dodgers payroll. And, and the, the topic was sort of viewing the legitimacy of the, Do- of the Dodgers World Series win last year, coupled with the Dodgers mm-hmm. payroll now. And essentially it, it was how on earth is this team not running away with the West? And, and, and it was interesting hearing Zaidi's response to that. I mean, first of all, he just, he eliminated the payroll argument completely and said, if you look at that team, 
and you look at how they are constructed, Justin Turner, Max Muncie, who we think, I mean, we think Max Muncie, you said at the start of the the postseason, that might be the absence that ultimately does in the Dodgers, Mm -hmm. is Max Muncie. So you've got Max Muncie, you got Justin Turner, and you've got last night's hero, Chris Taylor. And and Farhan Zaidi's comment was, well, how, how did the Dodgers go about getting him? The big free agent signings toss a lot of money at him? Nope. Justin Turner was DFA'd by the Mets. Ned Coletti picked him up, and as I mentioned, Ned joins us in a few minutes. Uh, Chris Taylor was acquired in a trade for Zach Lee. And Max Muncie was DFA'd by the Oakland Athletics in 2017. So with all the... Yes, the Dodgers have this massive payroll, and let's face it, they're paying Trevor Bauer 30-odd million dollars a year, and he's never going to pitch for them again, probably. Mm. So the nice thing about a payroll, a big payroll, as Brian Cashman used to say, is it does allow you to cover up your mistakes a bit. Like If I make a $20 million mistake and I can replace it with a $10 million cover, I'm doing okay. Yep. But that's not even what's at work here. These, these are guys who were unearthed. And yeah, I went back and looked at the start of Max Muncy's career. And I thought, okay, well, maybe Max Muncy was one of those guys where, you know, the Dodgers brought him in and he gave him a chance in the majors and he ran with it. This is a guy who was hitting 200 in his first 18 games at the Dodgers. 200 with only two home runs in his first 18 games at the Dodgers. The Dodgers stuck with him. That June, he had 10 homers and 76 at-bats, and he took off. So I I guess what I'm saying is, in addition to all the money that the Dodgers have spent and all the free agents and all that, they have done a hell of a job of identifying cheap core players. Yeah, I think for me that they've had the opportunity to do that because they they can spend money. They can have lots of talent, more talent than everybody else. And then you have, okay, that he got DFA'd. Well, send a scout over there, have him look at him. Does he have any opportunity of getting better? If he comes over here with our analytics department and we break that down to the nth degree and we figure out, you know, if he is a little more simpler with his lower half, you know, he simplifies his hands a little bit more. Can he have a better approach mindset-wise? If he eliminates the whole field and starts becoming a pull hitter, would that help him out? It's just little triggers that if he comes over here, would would he become a, a different kind of player or a better player, sort of a feeling kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm with you. It's, you know, you have to have surprises. Is Justin Turner a surprise? I know I played with Justin Turner in winter ball, and I, if I'm not mistaken, when I was in winter ball, he got released. Just because, you know, when he come over to winter ball, he, at the time he, he had – he was trying to reinvent himself. It was in that time of where is he a good player? Is he a not a good player? He was really trying to find himself on who he is and, you know, could he play every day at the big league level? All those things. I think he had reinvamped his his lower half. He had the little leg kick and all the – and now it's a giant leg kick, right? So all of these, those things are coming into play, but I'm with you. It's – you know, some I, sometimes you gotta. It's very hard to to tip your hat to a team who can basically spend as much money as they sure. want to spend. Like they, they, they out, can whatever they want to do. They could go out and buy Max Muncie right Ab- now if they wanted. Absolutely, to. absolutely. Max Scherzer is probably going to be a Dodger because they want him a, a, yep. to be a Dodger, and they'll give him whatever he wants to make him happy. And 
all those things. So yeah, it's it's hard sometimes for us to go, oh, you know, they did this and those little that little Chris Taylor move. Remember that that Justin Turner thing. But when you really dig into it, it's all about you know how do you make your team as a whole. And if we pick up these guys that we think have talent and we add everything that we bring to the mix added to his talent, what kind of player will he be? And ultimately turns out to be in a guy that can hit three homers in a, in an elimination game. Yeah. Which I don't think, I don't think if you put far hands, up against the wall and said, did you ever think that would happen? But if you listen to Dave Roberts talk, he is a giant fan of Chris Taylor. Yes, he, he, he raves about him all the time. You know, just that slow heartbeat and he never gets excited about anything. And this time of the year, what do you need? The players that can do that better than players that get all excited and, Cody Bellinger, for me, is a very excited player. Like, just can't wait to run up and swing as hard as you can. And then the opposite side of that is Chris Taylor. He just, he, he's, you know, sort of a let it come to you and not try too hard and the moment's never going to be too big for me. It's, it's kind of nice to see the sort of different ends of the spectrum and both of them are working. So what do you do if you're Brian Snitker? You've got Ian Anderson going uh, in game six. I don't know what game seven would be. I've got to think of Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton. Uh, you've got an off day. You've got Ian Anderson. Jorge Soler is back on your roster after coming out of COVID-19 protocol. Now, Dave O'Brien, who covers the Braves for the Athletic, said that Brian Snitker said yesterday that for this series, at least, he would likely use Soler off the bench. He's not going to screw around with lineup that he has in yeah. place right now although yesterday he did yesterday he did flip albies and freeman which looked like it was gonna in, in the second it inning did, i'm watching i thought it was gonna pay off but then of course chris taylor happened and and trey turner did that too the dodgers and dave roberts did the exact same thing flipped the two dudes exactly right which makes a ton of sense when it just gives you a different mindset of your routines and what you might get at the plate trey turner looked to me like he's pressing he's trying too hard you try too hard, you help the kid he out a little, a little bit. Better li- he, he looked a little yeah, better last night. He got three hits, getting a little better pitches to hit. He's letting the yeah. ball travel. You could see where the balls were going, that he was getting hits. And when you're hitting a three-spot, Jeff, it's sort of like hitting cleanup. We talked about that with Bo Bichette. How mindset-wise would he try too hard? Coming as being a, a cleanup hitter, it's exactly what it is. When there's runners on base, you're supposed to clean them up. You drive them in. Being the three-hole hitter, is there's a lot comes with that. It, that's sort of, you know, when you're an opposing pitcher, the first thing I know I would look at, who's hitting third? That sort of comes with being the best hitter, and Trey Turner was that, and it just looked like he was trying too hard. So you flip-flop him and take a little pressure off him, and it looked like it's working, and now you add his speed element to the mix in front of a, a couple of guys who can drive the ball in a big part of the field. Do you just flush that away if you're the Braves? 11-2, you got uh, a hand to your Max Freed wasn't. Uh, wasn't as wasn't good. Uh, that's the first. That was the first three run inning. Somebody pointed this out on TV. The first three run inning in in twenty starts for Max Freed. Do you just flush that away and say, you know, we'll go get him on go get him on Saturday? Sounds, sounds easy, but yeah, the Braves know exactly what happened last year. We, everybody knows what happened. How would you do? That? So do the Dodgers. How would you do that? How would you be sitting on the plane if you're the Braves? Flying home to Atlanta and going, let's forget about that. We got our butts kicks. Like, who cares if you lose 11 to 2 or 2 to 1? What difference it make? But it does when this exact same thing yeah. happened last year. Like, that's the whole thing is how do you, is it just, do you, do you start trying to stay within yourself and do what you can do? Or you start, it's, it's you know, it's like, 
I just don't know how you can do that as be, uh, being a human being and, and going through the exact same thing you, you went through last year. I mean, I think what might help, and I can't believe I'm going to refer again to Brian Cashman, but I mean, it tells you how long he's been around and, frankly, how long I've been around. One of Brian Cashman's points about those good Yankees teams was that they always had somebody fresh every year. They, they, they would try to bring, they would make a conscious effort to bring in somebody. David Justice is a classic example. Bring in somebody who maybe hadn't won a World Series before, somebody who was on the, the back nine, somebody who would appreciate the opportunity they were going to get. And his argument was always, obviously, you do it to make the team better. But he said sometimes you need to have guys in the clubhouse who are really, who haven't been there before and are really excited and sense the opportunity. And he also made the point that, you know, the other good thing about that is sometimes when you have guys like that in your clubhouse, they don't know what your track record was against against the Red Sox, or they they don't know what this organization did two years ago in the postseason. Or I'm sure Adam Duval, Eddie Rosera, they weren't here last year. They don't care. They don't give a rat's ass about what the, what what the Dodgers and Braves did last year. All they know is they're up three games to two. And I, and I wonder if maybe that isn't in some ways a plus for the Braves as well. Because yeah, Freddie Freeman's seen this movie. Travis Darno has seen this movie. Ozzy Albies has seen this movie. Adam Duvall hasn't. Eddie Rosario hasn't. Maybe that is a plus for the for the Braves. The fact that they're going to have guys in that lineup they have they don't they don't bear any they don't bear any of the weight of history. Yeah, I don't know. Again, we have no idea what they're thinking behind closed doors. What the conversations like? I, I would assume this is where Brian Snicker and all the coaches can come together, get their certain staffs together, like the pitchers go down the right field line, the hitters go down the left field mm-hmm. line. In Atlanta, they have a conversation saying, we've been here and done this before. We know what it's like, what it feels like. We don't want to feel it again. You know, it's it's just... they got some, And they got some coaches in that team, Ron Washington, yeah. uh, Walt Weiss. Those guys have been there. Yeah. Those it, guys have been there before. I, for me, it's always, and it will always be about the guy standing on the mound. Ian Anderson has to be really good. He has to give the Braves lineup a chance to run into a bunch of homers. That, that for me, is how they're going to win games. Well, what is in this playoffs? Teams are 18-1 and one yeah. when they hit more homers than the other team does. So just that stat right there would tell you, now Max Scherzer's not going to be an easy get, and he might have been playing a little possum with the tired arm. And I'm not saying he's doing it, but he's real vocal about it. Well, okay, I was going to wait. To, that's it's like funny. the Devers thing. That's funny. I was going to I was going to ask you about that because there was a comment from Ron Darling last night, and I thought he kind of went there, but he, he didn't completely. And they were talking about Max Scherzer, and they had a camera shot of him. And of course, you're right. Max has been very open. Arm is tired. Yeah. You know that interview he did with Lauren Shahadi, and you know, yeah, it's a new routine. I got to get. And 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 Ron Darling's point was almost makes you think. Mm. You know, Max Scherzer's been very open about how different this is and how I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't feel the same. And I mean, look, he wasn't very good. The, you know, the results would suggest that maybe, maybe something, something was up there, but. Yeah. Maybe you should pitch a first ballot hall of famer every five days. Don't try and reinvent the wheel. Now I know he's a talent and you want to use him in certain situations, but this is not a sixty-game season. He's yeah. had a lot of tra- he's had a lot of tra- tread on that arm. It's this season. 
you know, high impactful innings. Every pitch matters, especially when he came over as a Dodger. They were fighting with with the Giants to win the, you know, every single game, which they almost did. It's just that that thing of I don't know if I don't know if he's playing possible. We'll know. You know, right out the gate, I think velocity will tell you the the late break on the secondary pitches that might be a little bit more tall tale. And the hitters, the hitters' reactions will tell sure, you too. Sure, whether see he's, what Freddie Freeman's reaction is to you know to his you, pitches. I, I'll, the the people that I've been around in the minor leagues who had dead arm and have come back to try and pitch, you will see them if they throw a pitch, they'll be flipping their arm around like like, like trying to to it, you know get it out of there. Like when they throw something and it's like it feels weird to them, you'll see them like I don't know throw their arm sort of towards their towards the ground just to. Get, make it feel different. Mm-hmm. So maybe you'll look for a little bit of something like that. But you know, I'm I'm looking for a a, a good outing from him. And and more importantly, what what's the approach is going to look like from Braves? That, that's that's another thing. The home they're going to have to feed off the crowd. They they always play good defense. They run the bases for the most part, unless Rosario's running. You know, with with, with two outs and and Freddie Freeman at the plate, which he did last night, which is just it sometimes with. He's a seven-year veteran, and we've seen this before, him going, running bases, uh, basically like Little League, run till you tag him out. I just don't understand that. Like, it's right in front of you. The situation's right in front of you. You're on the road. You know the situation. You know, you know where the – he at least knows where the Braves were last year. He, he may not have been in that situation, but he knows where they were at. Well, and you got a, a super hot hitter in Freddie Freeman. You're trying to steal a base. I, I just say, sometimes don't get it. You certainly know who's at the plate as well. A couple yeah. of uh, injury issues to take care of before we break and bring Ned Coletti on. Uh, Joe Kelly is done for the rest of the year with the bicep strain. It was interesting. He he, I think he kind of he he more or less took himself out of the game, uh, and it was one pitch away from tying a season high for for pitches in the game. So David Price, it looks like, will come on to the roster mm-hmm. for Joe Kelly. And the other injury, very quickly, Kevin, I want to say something. The other injury as well, Travis Darno, the Braves. Yeah, his thumb. Wrenched his thumb. He, he took that weird swing. You could tell he was trying to shake it out. Yeah, there's no indication yet. But that that's... he That thumb was already sore. He was already wearing one of those... those yeah, exactly, uh, yeah. Thumb guards. I, before I know we got to we're yeah, up yeah. against there. We got to go to the break. Adam Vall faced two pitchers in that in that one inning, right where he had two <laughs> strikes, and then when the pitcher went out, yeah, sixteen years I had over two thousand bats. That never happened to me. I was sitting on my couch thinking about how hard that would be as a hitter, especially when it's a two-two count, two strikes, yeah. and then he comes. The next guy comes in, he flip, flips the slider, and I was thinking to myself, could I ever remember minor leagues, big leagues, winter ball, Arizona fall league? Like that never happened to me. Now you don't often see. Usually the no. pitcher tries to get through the hitter. And, yeah. and when when you saw Joe Kelly do that, I was thinking right away, okay, we're talking. This isn't just sore arm. We're talking something serious here. Exactly. You're listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Yeah, Chris, it's been an incredibly eventful postseason for you. You had the walk off in the wild card. You had, you know, home run Atlanta. You had the, the base running thing, mistake in Atlanta. But then the very next day, you had the two run hit to put the team ahead. Now the three run. Home. What's the postseason been like for you, given all of this? You've been at the center of so much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, there, I think there's always you got to take the the lows of the highs, and uh, you know everything gets amplified. In, in the postseason, and uh, 
you know, it's a game of failures. You're going to make mistakes, and um, you know, and then there's moments like tonight where um, that's what makes it worth it, and that's why you just like put your head down and um, keep moving forward. That's last night's hero, one of many heroes for the Dodgers, but clearly the hero for the Dodgers, Chris Taylor, uh, discussing his three home run game, three home runs. Still remarkable, still shaking my head at that. Three home runs in a uh, in a postseason game. Um, Babe did it twice. Reggie, <laughs> who is now working for the Houston Astros, which I didn't know. Reggie Jackson is now apparently an advisor with the Astros. But uh, Chris Taylor putting himself in some some pretty elite company. And Kevin, you always point point this out because you always get in me because I remember every mistake I make for three days, every mistake I make, every show where I'm not happy, whatever. And you always tell me you could never play baseball because you really do have to be a turn. The, you, it's not a matter of turning the page. You basically have to forget that the page was ever written to play no, baseball. No, and that's what Chris Taylor was talking absolutely. about. Absolutely. I've never played in, in situations like Chris Taylor's playing in. For the Dodgers, right. games that, that this has this magnitude of them. But I'm, it's, it's just one of those things where you have to trust yourself as a player. You have to know that the organization has your back. That second one that I just mentioned, I never had that. I never had an organization that you. it was okay for me to go out and go over 15 and I knew I was going to play. Like, I, I just didn't have that. Chris Taylor does. Like, Chris Taylor's going to play third. He can play second. He can play center. He'll play left. Like, he knows he's going to play even though he has some hiccups. And just to be able to go home after the game's over and basically forget that as soon as you walk off the field – well, that's that. Quite frankly, separates you from that. That's a that's a an elite player, and then everybody else. And right now, Chris Taylor, you could argue, is an elite player at this level. You really have to be an optimist to be a baseball player. Mm-hmm. You don't you? You have to think. Think about this. Everything you do is measured. It's one of the few jobs where. We can go home and think we've done a good show, and it's subjective. I go home and I'm 0 for 12. <laughs> I haven't been real good. No. I haven't been real good. But I've got to be so positive or such an optimist that I think that the next hit is really around the corner, that the next at bat is my next chance to get a hit. And what I wanted to ask you is when does it go, and I know it's not a number, Kevin, but when does it go from, okay, the next at bat that's a chance for me to break out to oh, the next at bat. I'm just going to be – I'm going to be 0 for 15 instead of 0 yeah, for 14. It's it's very hard to not think of the, oh, no, if I if I show up today because of the guy I'm facing, I, you know, I'm 0 for 12 now. It's probably a good chance I'm going to be 0 for 15. you got to be real specific. Like, you got to think of every pitch. You know, it's like a simple little thing if you're 0 for 12 and you take a pitcher's slider and you see it out of the hand, and it's an unbelievable pitch, but you are in an athletic position. You had the good separation from your foot, front foot and your hands. You did everything right. You can feed off of that. Even if you didn't get a hit and that it bad, at least you can tell yourself, I put myself in a position to see it out of the hand and give myself a chance to actually throw barrel to baseball and make solid contact. You got to be able to do that. And it took me forever. You know, by the time I did it, I was towards the end of my career and it was too late for me then to, 
to be able to do that consistently over and over and over again. But it's a, it's a, it's something that you have to experience. You have to. That's why they have the Marleys. Mm-hmm. That's that's so that that's why you you have the Alejandro Kirks of the world who go from a ball to the big leagues who haven't been there and done it before. When it comes to oh for 15s, oh for twenty, what's that feel like? Well, then how did you get out of it? It was it a mindset? Was it more cage work? It's every little thing that goes into how you become a consistent big leaguer and to take you to the whole different level. And this is why this, these games, I stay up until one thirty watching them because sooner or later, a guy's going to do something that you worked on that you remember trying to do. And he's actually applying that in the game. And it's, it's some kind of special to watch. Yeah. We're talking of course about Chris Taylor, uh, three home runs, nine for 17 in the postseason after going eight for 72, the last five weeks of the regular season. Yeah. Give Ooh. the Dodgers credit. Really give the, give them credit that, you know, he's, he's able to, to do that and they, they could still win games because they had so much talent around them. And that again is the organization. That's the team you're on. You got to have other guys picking you up in those situations. They had that, they have so much talent around him that, yeah, and Dave Roberts loves that guy. You got to have a guy in your corner. Dusty Baker was that guy for me. I wish I would have met Dusty Baker in 1999 instead of 2009 or 10 or whatever it was when I was at the Reds, because I, I would have been in the big leagues longer because he believed in me. All right, as we await Ned Coletti, let's shift our focus a little bit to the ALCS, which resumes tonight in Houston, the Boston Red Sox and the Houston Astros. It'll be Nate Uvalde on the mound for the Red Sox. Luis Garcia <clears throat> for the Astros. What are you expecting from Nate Uvalde? Is there going to be any carryover, Kevin, from his relief appearance? Tonight? I don't think so. I think he's a hard thrower. Uh, he's got a good secondary pitch. He knows the lineup for the Astros. Not going to be any surprises. So is the Astros. The elevated fastball for me will be a good pitch. Don't overuse the cutter. Sometimes when when he gets in trouble for me, Evaldi, he don't trust velocity. Understand that hmm. 99 to a hundo is hard to hit. And don't try and trick people with backdoor cutters. And, you know, if you're feeling frisky and everything else is working, then you can mix those kind of pitches in. But you know, I don't think so. I, I just think he's been there and done it before. He understands the moment's not too big for him. That's why they sort of lined it up this way. They wanted him on the road. They they knew if it came to these these situations that they wanted that guy in this situation. And for me, for the Red Sox, the right guy's in it. And Luis Garcia, we'll see. We'll see very early uh, how the knee holds up. Dusty Baker said, as far as he's concerned, based on everything he saw in the bullpen, based on his discussions with Garcia. Uh, he expects him to be good to go. Sounds like it was a mechanical issue. Maybe he was turning too much, put a lot of pressure on his knee. That's why he had the knee issue. You know, he was at, he was trying to be a little bit more deceptive than he had to be. Mm-hmm. You know, he does a lot in his windup. And sometimes you get that big turn and it puts a lot of pressure on parts of your body that you probably shouldn't be putting pressure on. Seems like they've tried to correct that. And, you know, the goal for, for me, for the Astros pitching is just, Keep them in it long enough that that lineup can get frisky. They're the one lineup that can string together hits. That's They don't need a bloop and a bomb. They can have a, a double down the right field line, a bloop single, a back leg city over the Crawford box. They can do it that way. Most teams can't. Most A lot of teams have to have a bloop and a bomb this time of the year. The Astros, for me, because one through seven looks like one through seven looks like that they can string together quality at bat after quality at bat, stay in the big part of the field, pass the baton that way, and it's up to that pitcher on the mound to just give them a chance. Have a decent outing. Don't have to be outstanding. 
Just be decent if he's decent. For me, anyway, I think it ends tonight. That's just me. I've given up making predictions in that series, but I... It's been... It's really been more than one game, which the the Astros lineup has kept going. You know, there's been a carryover from the eighth inning of the game before the last one to to where we are now, and now they go back home, their own park. Um, yeah, I, it's. I just there's 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 something about the Red Sox right now though that I cannot it prevents me from counting them out. Their bullpen. For me, is a little scary. It puts a lot of pressure on Alex Cora to match up every single time against the Astros. Righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty, lefty. When the lefties annihilate left-handed pitching. Well, that, yeah. That, so it's that's, impossible for him to match up, and that's the issue for me, and that's why the home field advantage is huge for the Astros. I've been saying that since I made the pick that I root for Dusty. I hope he wins the World Series, and I'm still in that camp. Well, the beauty of the Astros lineup is you don't have to pinch hit for your left-handed hitters. Absolutely not. Right? You don't have to. You're, you don't, you're not going to pinch hit for Kyle Tucker. You're not going to pinch hit for Jordan, Al- Jordan Alvarez. So, in in a lot of ways, it's. I don't know if there's such a thing as a perfect lineup. I guess a perfect lineup is a lineup full of really good right-handed hitters, and three left-handed hitters. You don't have to pinch hit for. I, yeah, I guess that would be. I don't, Very much perfect lineup. I, I mean, I don't want to say this out loud all the time, but there's not a ton of good managers in baseball. They don't all the time know how to match up perfectly against the other team's lineup. That's why we we on this show yell and scream about balance the, for the Blue Jays lineup. They have great right-handed hitters. But what if you put a quality big league hitting left-hander in between any of those riders you want to for the Blue Jays, how much harder it makes for that manager to match up? Think an inning ahead. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Astros lineup does for me is you have to think an inning ahead. And even Alex Cora, you know, the greatest manager in the history of baseball, he's going to have issues doing that. I want to ask you about an overall question here. Where are my numbers? When Eddie Rosario ran into the out at second base, until that point, base Steelers were 23 for 23 in the National League playoffs. We saw that. Was it the second inning where uh, Max Fried hits Trey Turner? Uh, Cody Bellinger was on first base. He's taken off. Fried looks at him and loses the plate and throws the home plate. You can see that Travis Darno has put his hands up. To Basically, what he should have done is just stepped off the mound. But, of course, he gets caught in between, hits, hits Trey Turner. Trey Turner goes to first base. Yep. Are we seeing, do you think, the reemergence of base running as an important factor in the postseason. No, or not, is this just is this just simply that this just happens to be the two teams that we're looking at? Do- right Dodgers now? in five games, Jeff, have used thirty-five pitchers. Most of those are guys out of the bullpen. How many bullpen arms do you know that know how to hold a runner on first base? Not too many. These teams mm-hmm. know that. These teams know that they are easy pickings. And if we can steal a bag, put pressure on that guy to hang a breaking ball, then that's what they're going to do. So that for me is that has nothing to do with the catcher's timing from release points and trying to get the ball out as quick as they can to throw to, you know, the machete, the guy behind the home plate for the Astros is the best in baseball for me. He even has issues because all of the bullpen arms are not taught to worry about the guy standing on first base. As long as he doesn't score, they're okay with him still in second. 
that for me is why the number this this year I haven't has went seen up because of all the pitches that are being I, used. I haven't seen the breakdown between starters and relievers. See, my my reaction to that would be though is that most relievers are probably going to pitch out of the out of the uh, out of the out of the stretch. So wouldn't it be harder to to steal? Their mindset is punch that guy out as as quick as I can. I'm going to get nasty. My best be- secondary right, pitch, oh, oh, I'm not worried about the guy at first base. I have – what do most guys coming out of the pen do? They throw super hard. They have big herky-jerky wind-ups that are, aren't okay, – okay. But what about the closer for the Blue Jays? Talking about the slide-stepping and the, and the mm-hmm. quick pitching, and, and I was the one coming on here. Why are you trying to do that? You throw 100 with a, two different sliders. Why, why try and reinvent the wheel? Just strike the guy out. Get the guy out. You don't have to worry about the guy scoring that kind of way. And for me, when I watch these games, they don't even – for me, they don't even look like they even know the runner standing at first when they come out of the pen. It is all about I've done my scouting report. Can this guy – where does he like the fastball? And does his bat path add up or does it go against – my secondary pitch. If it does, I have to pitch backwards, those kind of things, and I'm not worrying about the guy standing on first. At least that's me. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, I just found it interesting that we're seeing so many so many stolen bases uh, in, in this in this series, but that 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 is a good point. The, the Dodgers have point. played five games. The Dodgers, they've had three openers. Yeah. Only two, like, they've had three starters going. After one of them, after the opener, which was Urias, mm-hmm. and then Scherzer and 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 uh, Bueller. 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 Yeah. yeah. So they've had starters coming out. My point is, it's just the mindset of when you're in the bullpen, you're not the 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 bullpen coach is not standing out there going, okay, the, this is what this guy can hit. This is your stuff. Uh, he's hitting this on this certain pitch. He likes to swing early. I'll bet you not one time, don't forget the guy that's standing at first. Not one time do they say that. Never. The conversation's just not had. So for me, that's So there you go. If you if you're like me and you like the stolen base and you thought maybe maybe you're going to see it come back into the game, which I, I assumed at some point we would because there's so many young athletic players. And uh, you know, it seemed to me that it would be a part of the game that that has sort of fallen by the wayside that if you if you really wanted to be an aggressive manager, you really wanted to be an aggressive organization, you really wanted to be an aggressive player, you'd start to incorporate that into your game more. But your your point is well made. I think the the number of pitching changes we've seen would uh see I I, I thought I, I guess I was looking at it a little counterintuitively. I thought uh it'd be harder to time up uh, a reliever because you haven't seen him as much as you've seen the starter. And then, I think as I be, said, going to the I stretch, think you think it'd be easier. I would. Big giant leg kick, not paying any attention, slow to the plate, more worried about power, more worried about striking you out, doesn't want to walk the guy at the plate. As aggressive as these hitters, hitters are in the playoffs, don't want to throw a ball right down the middle. We saw it last night yeah. against the Dodgers. So You're I not going to throw the ball down the middle. It makes it hard for the catcher to throw, have, throw you out. Absolutely. Basically, those guys aren't giving the catcher a chance unless that catcher just has elite, you know, skills of getting it out of the glove quick enough and has a rocket for an arm, which those arms don't come around every day. Now I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, but, and I don't even know, we'll, we'll talk to Jeff Passan about this in, in, in a few minutes. I don't even know how this started. Well, I know how it started. It started with the Boston talk show and uh, listeners to the talk show called up and said that they thought they could hear a whistling sound 
on some of the Astros swings. And of course, somebody goes back, they look at the video, they break all this stuff down. And to me, it's one of those things where if you think you hear something and you keep telling yourself you hear it enough, it's like when you're sleeping, right? And you think you, you're, you're, you're lying in bed and you can hear this noise outside. And the more you think of it, the more you're convinced that somebody's breaking into your car or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but it's now become a time. Somebody actually asked Alex Cora about it yesterday, but did he think the Astros were, were, were whistling to give away pitches? And Alex Cora's answer was essentially, so, hadn't heard So this. against Chris Sale, they weren't whistling the first five innings, but the sixth inning, they the whistled inning, like they crazy. They decided to whistle. They were whistling well, like crazy. Everybody things. whistle. First of all, it was, it was in Boston. Uh, it wasn't a, an Astros home game. There was also that thing with the light and center field at Fenway Park, which tell me you didn't think. No, I didn't because it was a, it was the Red Sox that pointed I, it out to the umpires. It's their home park. What did the Astros? The Astros broke in early in that particular I, day and set it up. I was thinking about the, the manager that's for the Red Sox. That's the. That's tell me. I mean, you, this is, tell me you didn't think that no, when the listen, umpires got listen, together listen, listen. And, and the umpire was pointing to center field. Tell me you weren't thinking this that. This is. This is this is so predictable. This is so predictable. And I guarantee you it will not be the last time we hear it. If you got the Dodgers, if somehow it's the Dodgers and Astros in the World Series, guarantee you at some point somebody is going to think that the Houston Astros are cheating. It, it, and it, and it, the fact that it can go from talk show i googled it when i came in today because i heard the, the 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 fan morning show talking about it. i'm like oh what the hell are these guys on about so i'm like sitting there i go in i go son of a yeah there's there's people talking about this you know you google astros and whistling and there it is which i guess you have to you, you can't be completely surprised that people are talking about but Flip side of that, too, you could say the Red Sox have been whistling like crazy for a couple of games, and they stopped whistling because they haven't been hitting the last couple of games. So you can flip how it on. How big? You could, you could flip it on the other end of that, too. How big would your balls have to be to try to cheat <laughs> in the other team's park with a manager who was suspended for a year? First of all, you couldn't do that. Major League Baseball has done enough, has enough people in the clubhouse who are standing around locking doors that lead to TVs that, you know, are able to to see pitches, but whatever in time and can relay those. It's, it's impossible. You can't do that. Yeah. No, There's no it, way. It, it's Major League Baseball has taken a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff. I talked to somebody with the, the Blue Jays about one of the coaches about mm-hmm. the stuff that goes on now and, they say, yeah, we're all, we're always seeing guys in the locker room who are going around and looking at things. I, ask the Blue Jays how paranoid they are about losing cards. What they what they <laughs> yes, go yeah. through when they take you know the pitcher yeah. takes his hat off and it's and it's one two three one four like they it's they're so paranoid to to not give away signs and it's just, again it's just it's a it's a fan base that's for did me you, reaching a little bit because their team's not been hitting the last couple of games. Did you notice, by the way, that Brian Snicker, when he comes out to make a pitching change, brings the wristband Absolutely. with him? Absolutely. They do not trust it to anybody but the manager and the pitching coach. You notice the Blue Jays' wristband actually has the pitcher's name on it. So that's when Charlie comes out or or John Snyder, after a pitching change, will run out with that pitcher's yeah. card because you know it's that pitcher's because it has his name on it. 
Like Jordan. <laughs> yeah. I think it's funny. Uh, I do as well. I do as well.